One of the most difficult things about being a stepmom is dealing with the ex, especially when the co-parenting relationship is high conflict. Trying to co-parent with a high conflict ex can make a challenging role even more challenging. While I can't change the ex or your partner, I do have something that will help. A stepmom's guide to co-parenting with a high conflict ex. You can download it for free at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash high conflict ex. That's a stepmom's guide to co-parenting with a high conflict ex at www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash high conflict ex. The connection between the two of you is going to really affect the intimacy between the two of you as well. Like so many people don't make that connection and they just wonder like, why don't I have more desire for my partner? Why don't I want to have sex with them more often? And we'll ask them like, okay, well, tell us more about your relationship in general. And they'll say, oh, well, we're, you know, we don't spend very much time together and we fight a lot. And we're, you know, it's like, well, that's not a surprise that you don't want to have sex with them. You don't even really want to be in the same room with them. So why would you feel that desire? Where we are in our relationship is going to impact our desire to be intimate with each other. And sometimes that can even provide a little bit of motivation to, you know, communicate more openly with your partner. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom, though. Here we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission? Inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. I am pretty excited to share this week's episode with you. We are talking all about how to improve your sex life with Vanessa and Xander Marin. I am sure that their reels have found their way onto your Instagram feed, but if you are not familiar, these two are a power couple. So Vanessa is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sex therapy. She has a bachelor's degree in human sexuality and sociology from Brown University and a master's degree in counseling psychology. And Xander is a regular dude who left his cushy career in tech once he realized that it was more fun to talk about sex with his wife all day. He is here to show you that you do not need a graduate degree or a license to have extraordinary communication skills. You just need an open mind and willingness. Together, Xander and Vanessa are the authors of Sex Talks, which is a New York Times bestseller. This was such a great conversation, and we really get into it. I just love how comfortable these two can make a subject that society has made us feel a little uncomfortable talking about. We talk about what's holding couples back from having the sex life they deserve, the biggest barriers in the bedroom, the truth about the missionary position and the female orgasm. How society's narratives about women is affecting their ability to ask for what they want in the bedroom. How to prevent parenting and day-to-day stressors from impacting your sex life, masturbation, and how to talk to your kids about sex. This is a good one, but not for little ears. So if you have babes around you, I would put on those headphones. Let's dive in. Well, welcome to the show, guys. You know what? I haven't had a couple sitting here with me for a while. So uh, this is kind of exciting to get the male's perspective as well. I think my my husband's the only one who pops onto the podcast from a male perspective. So this should be good. 
Oh, I'm flattered to be here. (laughs) The hot seat. Well, you know what? There's so many things that I've been just wanting to dive into with you guys. But one thing that I want to start out with, I was just listening to a podcast, Vanessa, that you had done. And I think it was Glennon Doyle's podcast, which was amazing. (laughs) And you said something that I, it just hit me. And so I want to start there. It says how we show up in sex is how we show up in life. Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, I think a lot of us have this tendency to compartmentalize sex. We think of it as just this thing that happens at the end of the night in our bedroom with the door closed and the lights turned off. But it's not like the, you know, the intimacy that we experience with our partner all throughout the day or don't experience with our partner throughout the day, like that's going to affect how we connect with them in the evening and, you know, the way that we just live our lives all throughout Mm -hmm. the day, any sort of challenges that we're struggling with outside of the bedroom are going to show up inside of the bedroom and vice versa. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that it's not just this act that happens for a few minutes, like there's so many other dynamics that feed into it. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you think is the biggest barrier for couples right now in having the type of sex life that they they want to have like what's holding what's holding them back communication everybody who thinks it's like oh well you know maybe we just need to be having sex more often or we need to try more new things in the bedroom <laughs> but it really does boil down to communication and this is something that most of us have never really done you know never really had an open and honest conversation with our partner about our sex life but I like to think like how can we experience incredible intimate pleasurable playful fun sex with our partner if we can't even talk about it so that's what our book sex talks is all about because we know everybody's heard the advice like just talk about it and it (laughs) it kind of winds up sounding like throwaway advice like okay sure yeah (laughs) but we wanted to create this really practical guide for like okay well what is it that I say and how exactly do I say it and when do I say it you know so we really wanted to lead couples through the five conversations that we think will transform every couple's sex life so that's what sex talks is all about yeah and, and I think that so many of us fall into this trap of like focus trying to focus first on all the other things we think we need to do to make our sex life better like oh well we just need to be having more sex or oh we need to spice it up and think about it like trying to do any of those things without being comfortable talking about sex like that's going to be a huge challenge, right? Like, you know, most we hear from so many people where it was like, oh, yeah, well, like, we tried doing this new thing, and it went really poorly. But like, I didn't <laughs> say anything. And I was pretty sure that like my partner wasn't into it either. And now it's just this big, awkward thing. Like, that happens so frequently, or like, oh, well, like, I'm trying to initiate sex more, but my partner doesn't understand what's going on. They, I keep, they keep saying no. And now I feel super rejected. Now I'm just going to wait until they initiate. So it's like, it's so important to get that communication part down before you even consider moving on to trying like other things that might also improve your sex life. Now, how did you guys start doing this together? Like what did, did you guys always have really healthy communication around sex or what inspired this, <laughs> you know, career path for you guys to really dive into this as a team as well? 
The answer is no. Yeah, the answer we is did no. Not. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote the book because we had to learn a lot of these lessons the hard way. Like we had terrible communication and we struggled a lot in the bedroom. And, you know, once we figured things out, it created this inspiration for us of like, we want to be able to share these resources and these techniques that we've learned and developed so other couples don't have to go through the same sort of thing mm-hmm. that we went through. So the backstory of the business is that I always knew I was interested in being a sex therapist. And so I started pursuing, you know, creating this business. And Xander and I met and we had the arc that I think so many couples have had. Like we met, it was super hot and heavy. Mm -hmm. We were really into each other. It just felt like this is my person. The chemistry is so good. So easy and natural. Exactly. All the things. Until it was. (laughs) And then, you know, we get like a year or two into the relationship and things have really slowed down. Like we moved in together. We're not having sex as often. When we were having sex, it was kind of the same old thing over and over again. And both of us felt pretty freaked out about it. But we also felt like we didn't want to talk about it. Because like, what does that mean to have to tell your partner like, are we not the right fit? Like what happened to that chemistry that we used to have? And so, like I said, it it took us quite a while and we really struggled to find great resources to help us reconnect. And that was so hard for me as, you know, studying to become a sex therapist and feeling this imposter syndrome of, I can't even figure out my own relationship here. So many years later, like after I had, you know, built the business up on my own, like Xander had no clue that he wanted to do any of this (laughs) for his career. He had a totally separate career in um, consulting and and in the tech world and all of that. Um, But he started working behind the scenes with me, just doing some like business management operations type of stuff. And I just had this idea that I think had been planted in the back of my head since we went through our own struggles of, I think it would be really beneficial for us to talk about this as a couple and to share our story and to normalize this kind of stuff and be able to share like both perspectives. So it took me a few years to convince Xander to do that. But now we've been able to create this business and have gotten so much amazing feedback from people of, you know, that those goals that we set out to achieve, like they really are resonating with people. They're feeling like we're normalizing Mm -hmm. these conversations, normalizing having these kinds of ups and downs and making it okay to start talking about this stuff with your partner. And actually like circling back to the very first question that you had for Vanessa about like how you show up in your sex life is how you show up in the rest of your life. Like, you know, as Vanessa was talking about the struggles that we had early on and like, you know, for me, it was just this huge hesitance to want to acknowledge like what was going on in our sex life. And like, literally that is how I was showing up in the rest of my life at that point in time. Like I just, you know, in my mind, I just wanted, I wanted to wake up tomorrow and like magically our sex life would resolve itself, we would magically feel that uh, that passion and that spark that we had, you know, on day one. And I had to get really honest with myself that like, that was actually how I was approaching everything else in life. And that was actually what was causing the problems in our sex life was like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't willing to take an honest look at like, how much work I was taking on in my job that like, I wasn't leaving time for, you know, for actually having a relationship or a sex life that, you know, there were things that I wanted in life that I didn't feel comfortable asking for. And I was just sort of like settling for what felt like what I had to do. And like, that was kind of like everything that was going on in our sex life. And so for, yeah, for me, it was like, it wasn't until I was able to realize like, oh, okay, yeah, this is how I'm showing up across the board that I was able to kind of get out of that, that whole mess 
and uh, build something truly great. I want to tell you a story. So I was away with my aunt and my cousin about two years ago now. And they are the type of people who have all of their supplements and protein bars and goodies all in a big Ziploc bag when they travel. It's actually so great because they're so organized. They always have the goods and I'm just not on my game in that way. Now, one morning I was feeling a little dehydrated. And so my aunt gave me some watermelon element salt to put in my water. So in case you've been living underneath a rock, Element is an electrolyte drink mix. It's the one that everyone has been talking about. And after trying it, I was obsessed for the rest of the trip. I had heard about Element on other podcasts, but I had never tried it. And I just felt so good, loved the taste, and was like, I'm going to reach out to this brand and see if they want to partner on the podcast. Because I really believe that everyone needs some Element in their life. Honestly, every time I'm away or if we're out with friends, I have some in my bag. I'm like, you have to try this. So fast forward about a year later, Element has been a sponsor of the podcast for a while now. And I love it because it's one of the habits that I have in my daily routine. And my stepson and husband also love Element too. If you have not jumped on the Element train yet, I got to tell you, now is the time. A growing body of research has revealed that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels that are two to three times the government recommendations, which is why Element says more salt, not less. So each pack of Element has a truly meaningful dose of electrolytes in a science-backed ratio. So that's 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No sugar, no sketchy ingredients, no gluten, no sugar. And so many other electrolyte drinks are just full of crap and sugar and lacking in actual electrolytes. So with Element, you can be confident that you're getting everything that you need and nothing that you don't. Element comes in eight flavors, and when you place an order through this link, www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom, you get a free sample pack with your order. This way you can try all the flavors and figure out your favorite. My go-to is watermelon and raspberry. My husband and stepson love the lime. www.drinkelement.com forward slash kickassstepmom for a free sample pack with purchase. Try risk-free with a money-back guarantee. That's www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickassstepmom. I am and always have been very obsessive about moisturizing my skin since as long as I can remember. I love getting out of the shower and just putting on a good lotion. And I always moisturize my legs and feet and arms and my whole body before I go to bed. In fact, I am so dedicated to this routine that even if I get out of bed and then I get back into bed, I do the whole lotion routine again. Darren's always like, Jamie, are you serious right now? Anyway, my moisturizing game is strong. And for the longest time, I have been looking for a super hydrating, clean, vegan, cruelty-free moisturizer that works and that I love. And I am proud to share that I have found one and I am obsessed. It is from Osea. I have been using the collagen body lotion and the anti-aging body balm, and they're so amazing. The collagen body lotion is ultra hydrating. It's lightweight and scientifically proven to visibly firm skin in just four hours. No joke. It does. And as we get older, we kind of need that support. When I hydrate, I want my skin to feel dewy and moisturized and firm and soft. And this stuff does it. It is packed with clinically proven ingredients, including vegan collagen and hyaluronic acid to deliver lasting hydration for radiant revitalized skin. Again, it also gives my skin this dewy look, which I love. 
In fact, this weekend I was up at the cottage and a friend was like, what are you using on your skin? It looks so dewy. I'm obsessed. And it was Osea. I'm also using the anti-aging body balm. It combines lasting hydration of the lotion and then the anti-aging benefits of a serum. I love it as well. So for over 27 years, Osea has been on a mission to create clean seaweed-infused skincare that respects the natural world and makes skin look and feel its absolute best, which they're obviously accomplishing. So today it's called Clean Beauty, but it is what Osea has been doing since the beginning. Products are infused with seaweed because it's rich in vitamins and minerals and nutrients with endless benefits from the ocean. You have to go check out their site. There are so many products to choose from, and I cannot wait to try more. From skincare to hair products to body scrubs, there's just so many amazing products to choose from. So go to oseamalibu.com and use the code KICKASSSTEPMOM at checkout, and you're going to get 10% off your order. That's www.oseamalibu.com and use the code KICKASSSTEPMOM at checkout to get 10% off your order. You know, there is so much shame around talking about sex or just embarrassment or not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings either. I know my husband's going to just kill me for saying this, but he used to say after, he's like, did you enjoy that? Like that was his question after. And like, that was a great question to open up communication and all that stuff. But I remember just being like, what if I didn't? Like, what do you want me to say to you? Like this question makes me feel I'm so uncomfortable. So how do you coach people to get from that place of discomfort to being able to have those conversations? Or is it just going to be uncomfortable right off the bat? Like, is it just something you need to kind of like <laughs> rip off the bandaid and start to open that conversation? Cause I know, you know, there's a lot of people who are feeling the same way. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. my sex is like a four to six out of 10. Like I'm seeing all these people talking about their amazing sex online and we're like chilling a missionary and like nothing's really, you know, we don't have the spice. So where do we start? The problem is that when most people, when we give them the advice, like, you know, talk about sex, what you're picturing in your head is all the worst scenario conversations. So like being brutally honest with your husband and like, actually, it wasn't that great this time. <laughs> you went you went pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I it didn't a, orgasm. It was a solid four out of 10. <laughs> yeah. And so like, of course, if those are the conversations that we're having with our partner, like A, that's going to feel really nerve wracking for us to imagine like going in hot and heavy with with all this feedback that we haven't been telling our partner for years, B, of course, it's going to hurt your partner's feelings. Like they're going to feel defensive. And then C, it's going to turn into this like awkward tension fight between the two of you. And this is what most conversations about sex end up turning into between couples. And so that just reinforces like, oh my God, we should not talk about it. It just gets awkward. We fight, we hurt feelings. Like, let's just keep not talking about it. So we wanted to take a completely different approach with sex talks. And instead, what we recommend doing is to get started. The first conversation is called acknowledgement, aka sex is a thing and we have it. So it's literally just getting comfortable talking about sex as a topic, like in a neutral way. So we're not making any complaints. We're not giving any criticism. We're not trying to solve any problems. We're not even like giving feedback or making any requests or anything like that. It's just getting comfortable with the topic. So one of our favorite conversation starters from the book is to think about one of your favorite sexual memories with your partner. 
and share that with them today. So this could be like a little homework assignment for anybody who's listening right now. Just share it with your partner today. And it could be something just literally as simple as, hey, do you remember that anniversary trip that we took, our first anniversary, that hotel that we stayed in, and we just stayed in bed all day? Like that just popped into my mind. I was just thinking about it. It was a fun little memory. So that's it. <laughs> you know. So even with that simple conversation, what you're doing is starting to create this foundation in your relationship that sex is something that can be safe, <laughs> playful, and fun to talk about. It doesn't always have to be a big, serious, heavy conversation. When you're taking it to the next level or maybe trying to recreate those events, it feels a little bit more comfortable then because you've already kind of brought up that conversation. Yeah, yeah. We want you to have plenty of conversations that feel neutral, that feel positive. So it feels like a safe topic of conversation. And then once you've created that foundation, you know, we all have like trickier stuff that we want to talk about with our sex lives. So once you have that foundation, it makes talking about those trickier things feel a lot easier. Um, But don't worry, like even with the tricky things, like we give a ton of advice in the book for exactly how to approach those topics. We're never going to tell somebody to go in and tell your partner like, yeah, you're pretty fast and I'm not loving it. Or like that secret move that you think you have, I actually hate it. And I've hated it the entire 10 years we've been together. Like we never want you to have a conversation like that. Um, So we give you tools for how to talk about like even the most tricky things. Yeah, I love that. And you talk about different sex drive types. Can you unpack that for us? This is really important information that most people do not understand at all. So there are two sex drive types. And the biggest complaint that we hear from people is low sex drive. Pretty much everybody feels like my sex drive is too low. I wish it was higher. It feels like... It's not what it used to be. It's not what it seems like everybody else's is. Uh It feels mismatched Mm -hmm. with my partners. So we argue about how often we're having sex. Um, And it really boils down to actually just a misunderstanding about how sex drive works. So there are two places in our body that we get turned on for sex mentally, like the idea of sex sounds fun. And then physically, like our body actually starts to prepare and get ready to have sex. And so the two sex drive types boil down to where you feel desire first. So the first type is spontaneous. And that's when you feel it mentally. And then you feel it in your body afterwards. So spontaneous desire is what you always see on TV, in the movies, read about in books. It's like, you're just walking around, going throughout your day, and like all of a sudden, like, ooh, sex sounds fun. I want to go find my partner. Like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But the other type is called responsive. And that's where you feel desire in your body first before your head then catches up and thinks like, oh, this sounds like a fun idea to continue. So one of the classic signs that you might be a responsive type is if you've ever been in the middle of sex or even at the end of sex and caught yourself thinking, this is really fun. Why don't I seem to want this anymore? Like that is just classic responsive sex drive type. So if you ask a responsive type, like just, you know, randomly, hey, are you interested in sex? Are you in the mood for sex? They're going to say no because their body needs to be turned on first. So it's not that you have low sex drive or no sex drive. It's just that you need to get that body stimulation first before mentally sex is going to sound like a good idea. And then on top of all of that, you know, like the, the real problem is that, you know, in TV and in the movies and even just like talking to friends, usually we have the idea reinforced that spontaneous sex drive type is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's how we see it portrayed like 
oh, you know, like the, you know, these two people are, you know, out doing something and she says something that he thinks is cute. And all of a sudden he goes in for a kiss and then they're like tearing each other's clothes off. And it's like, that's like totally spontaneous. And so we judge ourselves thinking like, this is how it's supposed to happen. And if it's not happening that way, therefore something is wrong with me. Therefore I have a low sex drive or like my partner spontaneously initiated and I wasn't in the mood. So something is wrong with me rather than having a better understanding, you know, you know, between you and your partner of like, ah, these are the ways that we tend to get turned on. So what can we do to try to balance this or try to each approach each other in a way that is going to appeal to the type of sex drive that we have? Mm -hmm. How do you guys feel about planning sex? I love that you said planning (laughs) sex (laughs) because we love it. Yeah. A lot of people say scheduling sex and like people don't like the idea of it. People think like, oh, things are really bad if we have to schedule it. Right. Like you put it on your calendar the way you put your dentist appointment in the calendar. Like it just doesn't feel good. But we love it. And we think that it's, it's really important for people to realize like we've actually always been planning sex. Like if you think back, people will always say, we missed those early days of the relationship. It was so effortless, so easy. It just so natural, but really think back to it. Like when you first started dating your partner, there was so much effort <laughs> that went into that. Like, and planning. And planning that went into like that. Like you totally like, shaved your legs. <laughs> yes, you shaved your legs. You picked out the perfect outfit. You're, you know, you went to the gym or went on a walk to like hype yourself up. You're dancing around to your favorite music. You're anticipating it for like days leading up to the date. Like there's so much that's going into it. So it's not that at the beginning of sex, it sex just, or at the beginning of dating, sex just magically happened and we never had to plan for it like you've been planning for it from the very beginning yeah and then like most couples once you start having sex it's you know in the early stages you pretty much know okay if we're going on a date tonight we are also going to have sex tonight you are you are planning for it you're scheduling (laughs) it in your head and so if you're like whether you're spontaneous or responsive like you have that idea in your head and so you are you know so like especially if you're responsive like you have a lot of time to prepare yourself like mm-hmm. like physically and mentally for yeah it. to build up that excitement and anticipation so like of course if you schedule it in a very cold clinical way like okay tuesdays at 7 30 p.m Don't we must late. commit to it like of course that's going to feel boring and you know pressured and weird but there are ways to schedule sex that to make it feel like fun and exciting and similar to what it was like at the beginning of your relationship mm-hmm. i'm all about lunchtime sex like I love lunchtime sex. Mm-hmm. So I will say to my husband, I'm like, are you coming home for lunch today? And yeah. he's like, yeah, but he made the mistake at the beginning. He, d- he didn't bring food too. So I was kind of annoyed. I was like, no, you, you we're going to, we're going to do it, but we also got to eat yeah. <laughs> so it was like a little bit of a miscommunication, but yeah, no, I think it's really, I think it's really helpful to be able to plan sex because honestly, especially if you have different sleep habits. Like I like to go to bed early. He likes to Mm -hmm. stay up late. There's a kid in the bed every once in a while, like stuff like that. I don't think it's unreasonable to have to look at your calendar and be like, okay, where does this fit in? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we schedule everything else in our lives, you know, and when something is important to us, we are thinking about, okay, how do I fit this in? How do I block this time off? How do I protect it and make sure I don't, you know, do anything else around that time? So if we, 
are willing to schedule everything else. And if we actually see that as a sign of love and respect, like if you have something for your your child that you want to be there for, you're not going to be like, mm, I'm just going to leave it to chance. And like, if I'm in the mood in the moment, then I'll go to the soccer game or then I'll go to the play. Like, no, you're putting that play or the soccer game in your calendar and you're making sure you're going to be there and you're going to show up and be excited to be there. So why should sex be any different? Why shouldn't we put that same level of planning and love and care into creating time and space to be with our partner? If you've been around since the beginning, you know that I created this platform and community 100% on my own. Google searches and podcast episodes and help desks are my business coaches, and that includes creating my website. Speaking of my website, if you've been on it in the last year or so, you know that it looks freaking amazing. Yeah, I know, humble brag, my website is bomb. I get a lot of questions about who designed it and how much to cost. And here's the deal. I did my own website. I just bought a template from Tonic Site Shop and customized it so that it's aligned with my brand, my messaging, and my style. Tonic Site Shop has redefined the website template. So throw out everything you think you know about creating a website and check out Tonic Stat. These are completely customizable websites designed for people who give a damn. I've heard people say that your website does not matter. That is complete crap. These days, your website matters big time. These templates are incredibly user-friendly with a drag and drop design. You use this intuitive platform called Show It to customize your website template without needing to know a single line of code. You just drag and drop like it's hot. No tears, no code, no limits. Head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash tonic to choose your template and then use the code Jamie15 to get 15% off. These templates are totally worth the investment and help me take my brand and my community to the next level. I can't wait to see what you create. Now, I heard you say that missionary is the least pleasurable or one of the least pleasurable positions for women. Is that true? I, of course, it's different for every body, um, but in general, yes. So the really important thing for people to understand when it comes to intercourse is that it does not create a ton of stimulation for a woman or a vulva owner's body. Our pleasure is all about the clitoris, just like male pleasure is all about the penis. And if we're not getting clitoral stimulation, it's just not going to feel super pleasurable. So a position like missionary where there's just no not really any action going on around the clitoris, like it's not going to create a ton of sensation. So we hear so many women tell us like, I just don't love intercourse. What's wrong with me? Am I broken? I feel like something is horribly like has horribly gone wrong. I thought I was supposed to enjoy intercourse. But it's, you know, it's really normal and common. We've actually pulled our, our community and 91% of women said that intercourse is not their favorite activity because it just doesn't create enough stimulation. Yeah, but once you, once, you know, but. both partners, <laughs> yeah. but, well, once, both par- but, once both partners understand like, ah, yeah, it is about getting the clitoris some action as well. There are absolutely modifications that you can mm-hmm. make to missionary so that it can be super pleasurable where, you know, one, one person's finger is on the clit perhaps. Um, but I think like, yeah, if we're doing that sort of classic thing where you're really close and you're not leaving any room to be able to do something like that, yeah, it's not going to be very pleasurable. I think for all the guys out there, it's important. It's think, think about it. Like, it's like, okay, yeah. It's like, you know, your partner's fondling your balls for a while. Like, okay, that, 
maybe is nice for a little while, but like that's definitely not going to give me an orgasm. You know, you, you might, it might even feel kind of crazy for you. Like, oh, like the penis is right there. Like, why don't you just touch the thing that's right there that feels really good? <laughs> so I think that can be a good comparison for guys of like, okay, yeah, it is, you know, it is about this thing that is right next to what I am doing. And, you know, we can find a way to get that involved too. Yeah. The comparison that we always make is like from a nerve ending and a pleasure standpoint, intercourse for a woman is like playing with a Mm. man's balls. Like it could be fun. It could be enjoyable, but for the vast majority of people, it's not going to be wildly pleasurable. And it's certainly not going to be enough stimulation to lead to orgasm. Mm-hmm. And is that why most or a lot of women talk about that they will orgasm kind of before or not necessarily during sex, like actual uh-huh. intercourse? Yeah, yeah. We need clitoral stimulation to be able to reach orgasm. So that could be before you guys have intercourse. It could be after you have, have intercourse or it could be incorporating more stimula- clitoral stimulation into intercourse. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel like, well, actually, I know the I know the answer, but I would love to dive into it a bit women struggle to ask for what they want and are to be more vocal about, you know, their wants and needs and desires in the bedroom, just because of the way that society has viewed women in the past, you know, you don't want to be deemed as a slut. You don't want to be, you know, all all of those slang terms that are associated with, you know, women in sex. And this is another great example of the way that we show up outside of the bedroom is the same way we show up inside the bedroom and vice versa. Um, A lot of us struggle to ask for what we want in and outside of the bedroom. And it absolutely does come down to socialization. Like as women, we're taught that we're supposed to be caregivers and caretakers and self-sacrificers. And this can just come up so strongly for so many of us, especially when you become a mom as well. Then there's this like added layer of it's really not supposed to be about me. So, so many women feel hesitant to say anything in the bedroom. So it's, you know, I don't want to give feedback and hurt my partner's feelings. I don't want my partner to think they're doing something wrong. I want my partner to believe they're the best lover in the world and like never have any, any little tiny threats to their ego. Um, Or even as simple as like my partner's pleasure feels more important than mine. I'd rather they have a good experience. And I'm just kind of like, okay, fine, you can do sex to me, but I'm not really going to participate in it. So it can come up in so many different situations. And then this is one of the big challenges too, is that then so many women are having sex that does not feel particularly pleasurable to them, does not feel like there's really anything in it for them. And then they're feeling like something's wrong with me because I don't have any desire for it. So we talk a lot in sex talks about the connection between our enjoyment of sex and our desire for sex. If you do not enjoy the sex that you're having, there is no way that you're going to have a high sex drive. It would make zero sense for you to crave this experience that feels like routine and predictable and not particularly pleasurable. So the good news here is that we can solve two issues with the same thing. Like if we get more confident and about speaking up in the bedroom, asking for what we want, feeling worthy and deserving of having a good experience in the bedroom, we're going to have more pleasure, have more orgasms and also feel more desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to women wanting something, maybe a little more risky or wanting to kind of, yeah, be a little more risky. I'm feeling very vanilla right now. I'm like, how do we even say this? (laughs) Um, And they're not sure how their partner is going to react. Do you have any tips on how to kind of get them feeling more comfortable? Uh Uh-huh. 
We have a little hack for you here. I need it. Well, I don't need it. Someone, we all need it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's in the book. Here's what you can do is tell your partner, I had the craziest dream last night. I had a super sexy dream. (laughs) I can't stop thinking about it. You know, then so whatever it is that you're curious about, you know, I want to try some kink or I want to try these different positions or I want to talk dirty, whatever it is. I had a dream about fill in the blank. And, you know, it's not something that I've ever really thought about before, but I can't get that dream out of my mind. And it's actually sounding pretty sexy to me. So it gives you this nice way of like easing into sharing that idea or that topic with your partner. But it also gives you a way to gauge their reactions. Obviously, if they're like, oh, interesting, I haven't thought about that either. But is that something you want to explore? You know, that gives you the the avenue there. If they say, you know, if they say like, oh, I don't know if that's something I would ever want to do, then you you get that feedback and information as well. But it just gives you this opportunity to bring it up in a less high stakes way. And you're also kind of showing your partner that, oh, yeah, like, if that is something that you're into, like, you're already signaling, like, yeah, like, this is something that I would be excited about as well. Because I think so often when, you know, when we don't bring it up in the way that Vanessa suggested, it ends up like the you end up asking the question in kind of a, a more negative or cynical way of like, oh, well, like, look, what do you think about like, you know, like, what do you think about like trying a little anal or, you know, like tying me up? Like, would that be weird? And you're you're basically leading your partner mm-hmm. to you're leading in with sort of like negative energy about the thing that you're asking about. And so you're setting your partner up to not be excited about Mm -hmm. it. And so, you know, it shouldn't be a huge surprise when they pick up on the fact that you don't seem that excited about it. You seem really nervous about it. And they're like, oh, this person is probably maybe like, maybe my partner's worried that like, oh, like their friend was talking about it, but like, they don't really feel into it, but like, they don't feel comfortable. So like, easier for you. Yeah. I mean, your partner's just gonna, if if you seem nervous and uncomfortable, your partner's gonna be like, oh, yeah, that sounds weird. Even if they actually were interested in it. Mm hmm. For sure. Now, I think, you know, what we're talking about, though, is feeling more comfortable with sex, having more conversations about sex, normalizing these conversations. So when it comes to our kids and talking about sex to our kids, how can we change that conversation and and open things up with them so that they're more comfortable with their bodies and, you know, being sexual and all of that while still you know, being their parent. And, you know, we have, we have teenagers and it's just kind of this, like, how do you navigate this as a parent? I think especially because we're just kind of switching things over on how we're dealing with it as parents ourselves. Right. Yeah. So one of the most important things is to not have it be one conversation. So just like mm-hmm. sex talks is five conversations. Like, the birds and the bees. Yeah. There should be multiple conversations with your kid, like all throughout their life. Most parents, unfortunately, like feel so nervous about this that they wait until their kid is already too late, you know, too old. They already know a lot. And by that point, it's, you know, it's you're a teenager and you're like, mom, don't talk to me about this. It's awkward. And it's like, I, I already know. <laughs> everything anyway, even though, you know, they probably don't really know that much. Mm -hmm. But you know, at that point, they're not willing to say that. Yeah. So you want to start talking to kids like really as as young as you can. Obviously, there are different age appropriate things to talk about. And we have a video on our website at vmtherapy.com where we 
we go through like at this age, these are the kinds of things you can talk about at this age, you can talk about this kind of stuff. So you can go find that there. Um, but making sure it's like a, a series of conversations. The great thing about kids is that they're curious and they ask a lot of questions. So mm-hmm. you can really follow their lead in a lot of senses too, of, of just seeing like, what comes up for them? What do they ask about? And keep praising them every time they ask you something like, I'm so glad you asked that, or that's a really important thing for us to talk about. So the more conversations you can have, like you want it to be a topic of conversation that feels safe for them too. Yeah. But again, Mm -hmm. this is another one of like how you show up in your own sex life impacts how you show up in the rest of your life. Like if you yourself are struggling to talk about sex with your partner, if you know, you guys are keeping things from Mm -hmm. each other, or, you know, just, you know, not able to talk openly about what's going on, like, you know, how are you going to have that open conversation with with your kids? Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you're, you know, kids also are really good at picking up on your own energy or reading between the lines. And so if they can tell that you are feeling uncomfortable, because you haven't actually had the same type of conversation, you know, in your relationship, in your marriage, or whatever, like, they're going to pick up on that and it's going to kind of fall flat or they're, you know, they're not going to trust that, oh, okay, yeah, I really can come to you with follow-up questions. And so again, it is so important to be able to kind of come to terms with this stuff ourselves in our, in our, in our own relationship before really trying to, trying to, you know, spread that to our kids. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. So we have, um, so my daughter is nine and then I have three step kids. And so they're 16, 19, 20. And we've become more comfortable with the younger one. Just we're, I'm just super open about everything. And it wasn't necessarily the case with the boys. So it's interesting to hear her because she's just open about everything in life and the things <laughs> she'll say to her teenage brothers. And they are just like dying inside <laughs> the nine year olds. But she's always just been really inquisitive about things. And it's mm-hmm. been really interesting just to, in my mind, be able to kind of shift how maybe my parents would have responded to that, to, you know, what I really needed in that moment is, is a safe place to ask questions and, and to be, you know, just curious. And yeah, kids are really, kids are so interesting. She actually walked in on Darren and I after once mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she walked in and what she says, she says, I knew it. <laughs> like, <laughs> You knew what? It was so funny. Another question that's come up with uh, my girlfriends and I is is talking to kids about masturbation because I didn't even know masturbation Mm -hmm. was a thing until I think I was, well, I was out of university and I didn't even, didn't even ever have a conversation about it or any conversation I had was full of shame. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my girlfriends are like, okay, well, my kids are, I can see them touching themselves and I can Mm -hmm. see, you know this is happening. And it's interesting, the different reactions, you know, some parents are saying like, don't touch yourself. Like that is disgusting. Like you don't do that. Go wash your hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other parents are saying, yeah, that feels nice. Doesn't it? So that would be something that you'd want to do in private and just kind of, you know, coach them around that. How do you recommend having these conversations with kids as they're learning just different parts of their body, which is obviously a really great thing. 
I'm glad you brought this topic up because it's a difficult one for most people to talk about. Like it feels very uncomfortable, but it's incredibly normal and common for kids to masturbate. There's imagery of fetuses in the womb masturbating. So it's just, it's just a thing that happens. And it's not sexual the way that we adults think of masturbating. It's really just children like delighting in their own bodies, like exploring and their bodies feeling joy about their own bodies. And that like joyfulness and curiosity, that is one of the most essential ingredients of a healthy sex life. So we want to encourage that in our kids. We don't want to make them feel shamed or embarrassed of their own bodies because then they're going to grow up and become adults who feel ashamed and embarrassed of their bodies and have really unhealthy relationships with sex. So the best thing to do when you catch your child touching themselves is to make sure it's very similar to what you just said. One mm-hmm. of your friend um, said is just to validate, like, I know that feels really good. It's fun to explore our bodies, but that's something that we do in our own rooms. So can can we do that? So it's setting a boundary because, of course, you don't want your child like out in public touching themselves or, you know, at school, that kind of thing. Um, so we do want to set boundaries and let them know, like, that's something that we do in our bedrooms, um, but making sure that you're not creating any sort of shameful, um, you know, anxious energy around it. So a lot of parents like have already gotten this wrong. A lot of parents have already like, you know, seen their kid flipped out. I don't know what to do. Ah, stop doing that. So the other thing I want to say about kids is that they're very resilient and they're very responsive to apologies. So you can come back around to your kid and say something like, Hey, I know the other day, I, you know, I yelled or I got upset or whatever it was, you know, and I just want to tell you, I'm sorry, I got caught off guard and I didn't react the way that I wanted to. And here's what I wish I had said to you instead. Um, Mm -hmm. So just coming back around and trying to do some sort of repair like that can be really helpful. I love that. Not just for the touching yourself thing. Like that's such a great strategy. Just parents apologizing. Like there's so much power in that. Absolutely. Well, speaking of parenting, the stress of parenting and life and, you know, if you're not on the same page as your partner, and this is really common for a lot of the stepmoms in my community, there's just different parenting styles and all the extra complications and it causes stress in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, communication helps in those situations, but that does tend to trickle into the bedroom. As you were saying, do you have any strategies for just communicating about these tough situations so that they don't end up impacting your sex life or that you can kind of work together so that it can be, there can be a little bit more harmony and understanding both maybe in the bedroom and and just the stressors of everyday life. I think it starts with just an understanding that the connection between the two of you is going to really affect the intimacy between the two of you as well. Like so many people, it it sounds very obvious when I'm saying that, but so many people don't make that connection and they just wonder like, why don't I have more desire for my partner? Why don't I want to have sex with them more often? And we'll ask them like, okay, well, tell us more about your relationship in general. And they'll say, oh, well, we're, you know, we don't spend very much time together and we fight a lot. And we're, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, that's yeah. not a surprise that you don't want to have sex with them. You don't even really want to be in the same room with them. So why would you feel that desire? So I think it just starts with that understanding of like, yeah, the connection that we have, where we are in our relationship is going to impact our desire to be intimate with each other. And sometimes that can even provide a little bit of motivation to 
to have those tough conversations to, you know, communicate more openly with your partner with like, you know, yeah, I want us to be able to feel connected mm-hmm. to each other. So let's yeah. talk about this. Or, or can mo- be motivating for one or both of you to just have more understanding for the other person and their perspective or their preference. Cause I think, yeah, when we don't make that connection, it can be very easy to just get really single-mindedly focused on like, okay, well, they want they want X and I want Y and these things are irreconcilable. And so it's just, it's a conflict until, you know, it's like, I got to convince them to come over to my side rather than like, okay, if we do this, we go down that road, it's going to do that thing where it feels like we're on different teams and it's going to impact every other element of our relationship and it's going to impact our sex life. So maybe, you know, what if I tried to understand their perspective a little more they try to understand my perspective a little more, you know, like approaching it like teammates rather than, you know, opposing opposing team members. <laughs> and like, okay, how can we understand each other? Are there ways that we can meld our approaches or, you know, something like that? I think it's, it's easier to come to terms with things when you have it, when you're looking at it in the context of, oh, yeah, this impacts every other element of my life. And do I, do I care about being right <laughs> that much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I always recommend when I'm talking to stepmoms in my community is asking why, like asking why that's their opinion or why that's their perspective on something. Because I think sometimes I know, especially women will will want to communicate about something and really talk about something. But what that really means is we just want them to agree with what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's what the communication process looks like. And then you end up having the same argument the next day because Buddy just wanted to get out of that conversation. So he said what you what you wanted them to say. But yeah. yeah, no, I think that's definitely just even having sex at the forefront of your mind. Like in my mind right now, the way I'm thinking about it, like we don't connect that when it comes to the day to day. And then mm-hmm. the sex life, right? Like the partnership and the sex life. But you're right. It really is all intertwined. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no way for us to escape that. You're not going to feel disconnected from your partner all day. I feel like you're just strangers, ships passing in the night, and then want to get into bed at the end of the night and have wild, passionate, <laughs> crazy sex. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, that is true. All right. Well, tell us about the book. Where can everyone get it? Give us the lowdown. How can you help our community? You guys have got so much going on. I I get caught up in your Instagram very often. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, the book is Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your love life. And you can find that at sextalksbook.com. We have links to all the major retailers. And if you come back after you get the book and fill out a quick little form, we will send you a workbook that goes along with the book that helps you dive even deeper. Um, And then you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa and Xander. We do stories every day. We share a lot of fun stuff over there. And we also have all of our courses and guides at vmtherapy.com. Um, we have tons of stuff like foreplay guides, next level intercourse to bring more pleasure in for both partners. We have sex challenges, connection challenges, like so many incredible things. So you can check all those out at vmtherapy.com. You have a make out every day challenge, don't you? Oh, that's just something that we do. We make out, yeah, together every night um, mm-hmm. just to to really try to break the connection that we only make out when we have sex. Yeah. So just a, just a solo make out sesh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can no get on board with that. Sesh. No yeah, expectations. No expectations. 
It's great. Yeah. It's changed our lives. I <laughs> love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. You guys are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. This is a really great example of doing what you love or finding something you enjoy and making it your career. So good for yeah. you guys. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks for having us. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode and know someone that it would resonate with, do me a favor and send it their way. And if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. I am so passionate about opening up the conversation about blended family life and debunking the stigma that comes with being a stepmom. And you sharing this podcast helps me do just that. Now, if you're craving more podcast episodes and interviews, would like to connect with me and get access to workshops like how to disengage the right way, how to improve your relationship with your stepkids, how to talk to your partner about your stepfamily stress without causing a bigger fight and more, you have to check out my membership, the Kick-Ass Stepmom Community. Not only will this community give you access to strategies and tips to improve your stepfamily life, you can connect with me and stepmoms from over 30 countries around the world in our private chat and our live Q&As. Head to www.kickassstepmom.com to join.